and welcome to episode 187 of NCP. My name is David, and we're with the NCP crew. Crystal. Hello. And Bo. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. <laughs> Bo, I've always, I've always wanted to ask you this. I, I, don't, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember if I've actually asked you before on the show or in our personal lives, but does Bo stand, is, is that short for something? Yeah, I think you might have asked me this before on the air, but oh, yeah, my okay. middle name's Bowen, and it's just short for Bowen. Your middle name is Bowen? Yeah. My name's Charles Bowen. So your actual name is Charles? Yeah. I've never I've never known this information. <laughs> that is uncanny. That is, that's unbelievable. Really? So no one ever actually calls you Charles or Chuck or anything like that? No, no. My, my dad goes by Chuck or Charlie. My stepmom calls him Chuck. Everybody else calls him Charlie. And uh, all the men in my family are named Charles, but nobody goes by it except for my dad. I've yep. never, I never do that. Sir. I've never actually asked this. There you go. So, all right. So it's short for Bowen. Right. Yep. Okay. My grandfather's name's Charles. My father's name's Charles. All my cousins, Charles. <laughs> it's like a family name. Okay. It ends with me. I'm not naming. I'm either not having kids, and if I do, I'm not going to name him Charles. <laughs> no, you get, Let's start with Daryl. No, you get, this is Daryl, my other brother Daryl. No, you get obviously going to name your son Dave. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's fairly obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's a girl, seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Or soda. <laughs> soda. <laughs> that's wacky. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I need to move on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can probably gather from that uh, that little intro, is uh, this episode is uh, all about this, just the chilling. I've got a whole, I've got a heap of stuff on this running sheet, but we're just going to chat. Because, right. you know, that's the way we roll. That's how we roll these days. So, the first thing I want to chat about, I'm actually not even going to go through, I'm not going to do a, like a prelude of what we're talking about. We're just going to talk about it. Oh, so the listeners don't know what they're getting. No, it's a, it's a mystery. They have to listen to the whole episode. The mystery box. You're forcing them to listen to the whole episode. It's like, think of it as like one of those uh, unboxing those loot crate things, but it's just information. Loot crate. It's not just, yeah, it's yeah. not just it's random rubbish. Okay. You know what a loot crate is? No. Uh, is is that it... one of Luke's crates? No, no, it's loot. Loot. <laughs> oh, loot. Loot. <laughs> you subscribe to this to this service, loot crate, and they every every month or so. I can't remember what it is. Oh, but... like the quarterly thing. Yeah, they yeah. they send you a box of just of random junk, like collectible stuff. You know, like those Funko Pop things. Well, and... I don't want a box of random junk. <laughs> I, I don't know. People like that sort of stuff. <laughs> so they send you a box of collectibles, but you know, I, yeah. I personally think it's just random junk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bunch of stuff that would just clutter up your... You know, like, it would be cool, like, if you had an office or something, I guess. But after, like, two, three loot crates, you just have a bunch of junk that you don't you don't need. Hmm. Then it's eBay time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder if there's any profit in trying to sell those individually on eBay. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's such as they've got, you know, themes and stuff. It seems like a lot of work for a marginal profit, you know? It does. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> I'm with you. Anyway, all right, so first thing I want to talk about, Spidey in the Civil War trailer. Yay! Civil Under Spy What? Spider who? Underoos. Underoos, <laughs> this guy. Um, so uh, the Captain America Civil War, the final Captain America Civil War trailer. Not recording? No, no, it's recording. It's just next door. Someone's got some power tools some going. power tools going. Oh, God, we got to listen to the guy next door build a shelf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> During our podcast, you had to make a trip to Ikea. 
Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, well, you, you, I mean, you do, couldn't, couldn't even hear it, so I guess it's not too bad. He's revving it. I can hear it. It sounds like a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> it is a TARDIS. The hold do- on, the hold on. Special on guest star on this episode is the what Doctor. What is he actually doing? <laughs> sounds like a whippersnipper. Uh, no, it's one of those uh, blowy things. Oh, they're the worst, they're the worst um, <laughs> energy eaters in the world. Have you heard of a broom? All right. He stopped now, so that's fine. David's going to go and kill him. Yeah. Yeah, so the final Captain America Civil War trailer has been released and uh, they've bowed to the fanboys and have actually revealed Spider-Man's first, very first appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah. uh, it's pretty damn sweet. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, he flips... Uh, it's during the scene where they're fighting in front of that warehouse, like, uh, aircraft Hannah thing, or what a place. It's like the two teams going up against each other, classic comic style. And uh, Iron Man... So Spidey's obviously on Iron Man's side because Iron Man uh, calls him in. Ah, oh, so that's what you meant by the underroos thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Underroos and then yeah. runs out. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I thought you were referring to underroos. Well, they're obviously referring to underroos as in the, as in the underwear, yeah? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah I guess so. I know yeah. what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he calls, calls him in and uh, he flips in, webs, uh, grabs Captain America's shield... And then uh, lands and says, hi, guys. And he has uh, that, that, the cool sort of uh, animated eye patch. His eyes, like, are animated, like, clothes. Looks yeah, awesome. what, what do you That's think of the, the suit? The weird thing about the animated eyes is he's supposed to have made his own suit. How does he do that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's not think about it's it not, too hard. Yeah, it's not realistic, <laughs> but they do that in the comic where the eyes kind of have expressions, so that's kind of a new thing. Like, they did it with Deadpool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, it's worked its way into the movie universe now. Yeah, but... Uh, I, I like it. I, 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 I've always liked it in the comics. I think it works in the film. And, yeah, it, it answers to, to, uh, to uh, Bo's question. Um, I actually don't mind the suit. The very first time I saw it, I thought it had no black webbing. It was just all red. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this about? And then I realized, then I remembered that, yeah, he made it himself. He's like a kid. He made it himself. And that would make sense. But on closer inspection, it actually does have the black word. I mean, it's just very faint. Um, yeah. It's a bad image. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously been CGI'd in some way. So, it's, I mean, it's a real suit. But there's some sort of enhancement, other than the eyes, obviously. So, I don't know. I'll wait. I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I see the full thing in action. Uh, and even though I do, I'm actually kind of sad that they did bow to the fanboys. And uh, you know, have him in the trailer. I, I wish I would have preferred yeah. the full reveal in the film itself. But still, as a Spidey fan, I was still like, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" Yeah, it would have been really cool to actually have it revealed in theaters. Ever since Joss Whedon like kind of hinted that he wanted to do that, mm. I, I was kind of hoping that that's what would happen. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I like the suit too. I think it looks. You know, I, I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of these like movie versions of the costumes. Like I understand that like you can't have a a spandex, brightly covered costume on, you know, a UHD uh, movie theater screen. But I, I I think that there's there's got to be ways to do it right where it doesn't just look like these, like, Kevlar, you know, military-grade mesh-looking versions of, of the the suits. You know, I really I really think that they need to find a way to, to make it look modern but still call back to the to the comic suit. And I think this is like a prime example of that. Like it actually looks like something that you might would see in uh, in a comic book. Yeah, I agree. Yep. The, the I suits agree. are starting to look very armoured. Even Superman's suit looks very thick and armoured. Yeah, it's, yeah. A bit, it's a bit ridiculous. Is Superman the last person that needs that crap? He could, wear, <laughs> he could walk around in boxes, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'll be there. But I'm, I'm excited. So, but bro, you're uh, you've been talking long and hard about uh, a Civil War movie and Spidey's inclusion in it. So, do you think it's it's going to go the way of the the comic where they reveal Spidey's identity? Uh, yeah, they might do that scene. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be. They can't do it the way they did in the comics. I mean, it has hmm. to be a very different storyline. Yeah. Just because, just based on what we've seen in the trailer so far, we know that it's going to be completely different because Bucky is going to be such a heavy part of the of the storyline. Hmm. They made they shoehorned the whole thing with Hawkeye, and we met his family and so, went and saw their their house and everything. And they kind of just shoehorned that in the last movie, and I wonder if it's because they're going to kind of do what they did with Peter Parker, maybe with Hawkeye. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. Or kill him off. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Or or because he reveals his identity, there's some sort of retaliation towards his family or something like that. Yeah, actually, we'll go with that. That makes a lot more sense. His identity is somehow revealed. Although, why is his identity not revealed when... Uh, when uh, Black Widow dumps all that spy information, I don't know. Mm, anyway, maybe it was. Maybe it was. They still they might do the Peter Parker thing. It's just going to be it's going to be very different than what it was in the comics. I mean, there's no way there's no way they could do that. But you know, I'm kind of hoping, and this is out of order. It's it's kind of it's kind of backwards. But I'm kind of hoping that they are somehow building for a House of M movie. That would be ridiculous. That would be really cool if they did that. Or even if, or even if um even if Fox did it. They did a House of M movie. I want to. They they can't do it without the X Men, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be a Fox a Fox thing. It will it will depend on how good uh, Days of Future Past performs. But uh, yeah, actually, no, I I don't think they're going to reveal Spider's identity because it means nothing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like nobody's going to care. I mean, it means a lot to us and it means a lot to the comics. But when he says, you know, I've been Spider Man since I was fifteen years old, I mean, it's 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 a big reveal. I mean, JJJ oh, yeah. J. 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 Right. faints, yeah. But in the movies, he's only just been active for a year yeah. or so. So That's true. everybody's going to be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I think we'll go with the Hawkeye one. Oh, Hawkeye thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. No, no, I did have a thing on my uh, running sheet about talking about Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters again. But basically, I'll just, I'll just say this. I, I've, I've reversed, uh, in talking to Bo and, and various other people and uh, so, you know, seeing some stuff on, on YouTube, I've become addicted to YouTube. I've reversed my stance. Actually, uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to be any good. And I've been saying all along, it's like, well, you know, these people know what they're doing. I mean, they're all professionals. I reversed that. They obviously, just by the trailer alone, have shown they don't know what they're doing. Um, the bit where the girl licks her gun is ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's it. Not only is it a stupid shot, but it basically is saying that sexual violence is okay. Guns are automatically of a tool of violence. And uh, I'm not going to get into a gun debate here, but it's just that they're a tool of violence. Yeah, they're a phallic symbol. She licks one, becomes that becomes a sexual phallic symbol. They're so, so they're basically saying that you know sexual violence is an okay thing, and I find that very creepy in a, a Ghostbusters movie. Um, yeah. The one thing, I've, the other thing I've got to point out is the the scene where they say that in the trailer where Kristen Wiig is uh, the best at what she does. It shows a shot of her uh, her board with all the mathematics on there. The, the theorem in the middle of the shot, the right, the one directly in the middle, is wrong. So I, it's like, come on. If you're going to have a scene like that, make the effort to actually make sure that your theorems are right before you put them on screen. So anyway, it got, so that's it's just like, you know, little nitpicky things like that. that just you know, and, and plus conversations with other people. I just, I'm just thinking, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a disaster. 
I'd be yeah. surprised I, because you normally reserve judgment for when you actually see the film. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and uh, I do want to go see the film, and, and i kind of hoping that I'm wrong about it, but yeah, I just kind of feel like this is, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like the movie's just kind of cashing in on the recent uh, relaunch, you know, re, you know, the whole trend of, you know, Jurassic World and just everything that's kind of like doing these, like, yeah. they're not sequels, but they're not uh, remakes, you know, they're kind of in that middle ground somewhere, and I just think this is trying to cash in on that fame. Yeah. And there was actually a, there was a thing on Reddit where a guy who said he worked in post-production um, has revealed the, the plot of the film. And uh, sometimes you can... I mean, you gotta, you're basically going to take that with a grain of, thought, grain of salt. It could be anybody just talking rubbish. Um, but yeah. uh, it's it's looking more and more likely that, uh, that this, this particular person is... I think a guy. It could be a girl. Who knows? Um, but this particular person is... Uh, is probably right, and uh, if he if they are, then their description of the plot is pretty damn bad. But mm. you know, at the end of the day, it is just a movie. <laughs> why, why, why would you do yeah. that? No. If you're working in the movie industry, why would you do something like that for internet fame? Yeah, you probably just wanted hits to his blog or something. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know about. You wanted a lot of upvotes. If I was making a movie and, and I knew that someone on a production team would upload stuff to the internet, like if we found yeah. out who it was, I wouldn't be hiring that person. Yeah, of course. But how are you going to find out who he is? Oh, or she is? People slip up. Yeah. yeah well, things well, happen. Well, let's see if he slips up. Uh, the other thing I've got is uh, George Lucas was spotted in Adelaide, Australia. Woohoo! He's, uh, he's down in Adelaide with his wife who is uh, attending a conference. I think his wife is... Uh, is a professor of accounting or something. I don't know. She's got something to do with math and finances and accounting. And, uh, he was, uh, down with her and there's a, there was a shot in the paper of him at a local food court all alone. It's billionaire <laughs> sitting, eating, eating some, uh, food court noodles. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. And, uh, people, of course, you know, once they realized that he was in LA, went to got meet up with him and stuff. And he's there, people taking, you know, shots with him, like, you know, selfies and stuff. And he never smiles once. It's like, George, smile. It's not that bad. <laughs> Calm down. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. But, you know, there you go. George Lucas. That reminds me, um, <laughs> Roxanne, G- G- Gay. Roxanne Gay tweeted the other day a picture of Gene Simmons at, a like, a fast food place that she was at Lax, and he was just there with everyone else just getting his food on the tray. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> Gene Simmons is in Kiss. Have you ever yeah. seen... Uh, you didn't mean you didn't mean the the, the uh, aerobics guy. No, 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 no. He's turned into a recluse apparently. But <laughs> no, no um, Gene Simmons from Kids. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Bo. Have you ever seen the documentary? Or I've never watched the documentary, but I've seen I've just seen this clip. There's some documentary that was being filmed in New York City, and there's a guy like you know standing there talking to a camera about whatever the hell the documentary is about. And then a cab pulls up, and getting out of the cab is George Lucas. And he stops and does a double take at the camera and then just keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's like they didn't even, it was totally accidental. Like George Lucas didn't even mean to be in this documentary. <laughs> well, this was, this was front page news in Australia that George Lucas was in Adelaide. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> That's front page in South Australia, that is. That's, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, it's, it's not hard to get front page here. Johnny Depp's dogs made the paper here. Yeah, but that was a big deal there. <laughs> they were going to get put down and the whole deal. Those uh, are 1% dogs right there. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've got is uh, there's a premium VOD plan in place. Okay, well, Sp- basically Spielberg and a bunch of others 
have been very, very against a premium VOD plan. Um, there's been a couple that's been been uh, put in place. So essentially saying that uh, when a movie is released, it's, remo- it's released to cinemas and to this VOD service, video on demand service, um, at the sim- essentially simultaneously. And uh, they've been against it, completely against it, because they're, they're very much, a, you know, or so they claim, they're very much about the cinema and, you know, the cinema experience and all that stuff. It's all bullshit, of course. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> if, they, if they were, they're not now. It's, it's, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Movie making is all about the dollar. Um, and so it's, uh, it's quite uh, strange that there's a, a new VOD service that's been offered uh, that they're all backing. They're all, <laughs> you know, putting their celebrity uh, hats in the ring for, uh, for this new VOD service. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting service. Essentially what it is is, there's a new vodka well, service. Well, everything has a prize, David. Yeah, everything has a prize, exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, so the screening room is the new VOD service that's being put forward. And uh, the people behind it, Steven Spielberg, Peter Jackson, J.J. Abrams, Brian Grazer, Martin Scorsese, and Ron Howard are the, the biggest names. And wow. basically what it means is that they release the film in cinemas as normal, but also then release it through this screening room thing. And it's it's fifty bucks. So you pay fifty dollars to stre- stream the movie in HD. You can, or you have to assume ten eighty p on the day of release, so that you can then you know watch it at home. I don't know. For, what, do you, what do you reckon? Fifty dollars. I mean, it's how much? How much does it cost for two like a couple to go to the movies? I mean, it's, it costs about fifty bucks. You're right. Yeah, it costs about fifty bucks. Yeah. So I mean, once you've bought the tickets, you know, snacks if you're into that sort of thing, a coke. I mean, you're looking at $50 easy parking, you know. So to have it actually streamed to your house, to watch it on your own in your own home, you can sit there in your underwear, you can have 100 people in the room if you feel like it. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it depends on how desperately you want to see the movie too. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think I'd be paying $50 to see the next Ghostbusters movie in my own home. But um, right. I might, I might um, buy the DVD in, in the... Um, in the special bin, eventually. Yeah, but this is this is this is obviously people for for cinephiles. This is yeah, this yeah. for people who actually want to yeah, see yeah. the film. So but, but it's, not, it's not relevant to would, people who don't want to see the film. Would, would cinephiles want to, or they prefer the cinema experience? Yeah, that's the thing. That's 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 basically the argument. But, is, I mean, I think I think it's it's not a bad idea to go this route because they have to do something eventually because cinema is a sort of a dying thing and. Um, yeah, they're going to have to sell their movie some way, or people are just going to keep downloading them off the internet. And they don't, if they don't make money to make films, they're not going to make any films. Yep, you hit, yeah. the, hit the nail on the head there. It's 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 all about. I think it's all about anti piracy, really. To be honest yeah. with you, I think it's it's. it's well, they, they, they've got to embrace the new technology and use it somehow. Yeah, sorry, man. I think fifty dollars is a little steep because sure, you pay fifty dollars to go. It's only about twenty five dollars to see the movie for a couple, and then you pay about another twenty five bucks on soda and popcorn. And this fifty dollars, I still got to buy my own soda and popcorn. You know, like I, I think it's a little steep. Yeah, but you get to sit at home. You don't have to put up with people on the phone. You don't have to put up with assholes taking your seat. You don't have to travel anywhere. It's just, it's the 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 comfort of your own home, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I would still. I would still go to the theater. I don't think there's nothing wrong with having the service available, hmm. but I I know that my preference. I'll still go to the theater uh, for as long as I can. I'd rather go. I'd rather go see a movie in a theater, even if. So I hate going. I hate going on Fridays and Saturdays when all the kids go. But I yeah. usually go like on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays. Yeah. But um, 
I enjoy the experience of having popcorn and soda, and I just enjoy the whole experience of it, going to the theater, being able to talk about the movie, driving home, seeing it with other people. Like I enjoy that experience so much that uh, I, I've even went and saw movies that I wasn't interested in, but I knew I would enjoy the experience. I know that sounds dumb, but I've, I've even... I, I have, I've been talked into seeing... Like, I wasn't interested in seeing The Revenant at all, but I was in the mood to go to the movies, and that's what the people I was with wanted to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. that makes sense. That's not dumb. That's not really good, though. Yeah. And uh, I'm with you. I, I, I enjoy the cinema experience itself in, in terms of, you know, the big screen. I like it when the audience reacts to what's going on, you know, where they cheer yeah. and they laugh yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, I hate arseholes and their phones and that sort of bullshit, but, yeah, but, the, I mean, the the... the the group experience of enjoying something. Like the audience applauding at the end of Star Wars. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I would miss that. Great group experience. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so I, I'd still I'd still go to the movies for the big screen events, yeah. like the Star Wars films, but uh, yeah. I very much applaud that this service could you know possibly existing for the the smaller stuff you know like the revenant you know it's like you know i'll see it at home i think 50 dollars is a good starting point and just see where the demand's at they can um lower it maybe to attract more people or they could i mean if people are happy to pay 50 dollars if you be careful they might actually increase it yeah <laughs> you know they'll increase I think, it i think the 50 dollar yeah they'll increase it the 50 dollar <laughs> price point is good uh, if it streams like in 4K, and this would be a service that people that have like home theaters and things like that, yeah, um, then then the fifty dollar may even be cheap because if you have a home theater, you could have as many people watching it. They they have no idea how many people are going to watch it. Mm. Um, so you could have you could have seven people watching a fifty dollar movie. Yeah, I could see how I could see how they wouldn't want to price it too low. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've changed. Maybe I've changed my stance on the price. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely a family thing. Like taking the family to the movies is yeah. insane. So it's definitely, it's definitely main, main, main really for the families. What, what they should do is it should be fifty dollars for opening day or mm. opening weekend, and then the yeah. price should fluctuate compared to how well the movie does. If the movie tanks, then the next weekend it's maybe it's ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's not bad. Cool. All right. Uh, next thing up, I've got it is uh, fan films. Now, a reason I, the reason I brought this up is because of the current situation with Star Trek Axanar, which I think mm-hmm. is I think is fascinating. It's uh, at, when it first so Star Trek Axanar is a, is a Kickstarter or GoFundMe or whatever the hell that crap is um, thing where uh, it's like a, a group of a production company of uh, trying to make a Star Trek film. Nothing new there. You know, there's there's hundreds, thousands of them before, um, but uh, for the first time in a long time, Paramount or CBS has um, has kicked up a stink about it, and the main reason is is because the uh, the production company behind the film have given themselves wages, and so they are yeah. technically making money from the film. Um, and that's the, always been the big no no. Like so, generally in the past, Paramount and CBS have said. You know, it's have basically turned a blind eye. It's you know, it's it's. I mean, it it it, it continues the the Star Trek brand, and so therefore we're cool with it as long as you don't make any money out of it. And you know, that's that's perfectly reasonable in my opinion. I mean, you can't you can't really fault them for that. Um, but so Axanar have you know have revealed that they have in fact been giving themselves you know wages and and uh, so C- and so CBS have stepped in now. At the very start of this uh, this you know, controversy, I was one hundred percent in CBS's corner. 
what the people behind Axanar were doing was an absolute disgrace and essentially snubbed their nose at CBS's cease and desist. See, they actually, they CBS sent a cease and desist letter and they said, and they said, you know what? Fuck them. We're going to keep doing it. And that's bullshit. Right? So CBS 100% Nick in their favor. But now as time has gone on and then they've actually, it's gone to court and, and, uh, and uh, CBS have put forward their, uh, their claims and stuff. And you know what? I'm actually now kind of sliding away from CBS's thing because if they just stuck with that, just that pure, that pure, well, they're making money and they're not allowed to do that from our product sort of stuff, I would have been totally in their favour. But now they're slapping down all, all the reasons why they're actually uh, upset about the film. And some of them are just quite frankly ridiculous. There's, uh, they're upset that they're using the Klingon language. <laughs> it's like, come on. There's a university course that teaches you the Klingon language. So it's, you know, if you can't use it in your film, something's up. Uh, they're upset that they're using the uniforms, and not just the uniforms themselves, but uniforms that look like their uniforms. So they've actually trade; they're not trying trying to trademark the actual uniforms. They're trying to trademark the style of uniform. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like, come on! Um, it's yeah. like Cadbury trying to copyright the color purple. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, the you know, you know, the sound effects, that sort of stuff. Um, and of course, you know, they've, they've gone into specifics. You know, character names and character places and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. They're all you know, they all belong to CBS. But but stuff like you know themes. What are they? What are the themes? And this is where I was like, this is ridiculous. This is the up the utmost ridiculous out of this claim is they're saying because it's a sci-fi fantasy drama that it, it breaks their copyright. It, uh, it claims it's, it infringes on their copyright. It's like, are you really uh, seriously? There's a ter- there's a there's what they're doing here. I've forgotten what the actual legal term is. I, I learnt this watching Boston Legal, but they're actually just <laughs> overloading them with legalities. Yeah. So that that. I thought it was yeah. like a paper dump or something. Right. They have to dig through all this stuff and, and it's going to cost them more money so they might back out of the lawsuit. That, yeah, that that's probably right. You're probably right there. I mean, I, I have no idea about the sort of like, uh, that sort of stuff, but it's, I mean, it's, but I do, I do see, I do know ridiculousness when I see it. And it's, yeah. uh, if, if that's what they're doing, then that makes sense. And, yes. and, and I know it's, it's just, if that's what they're doing, that'd be the lawyers doing that, not necessarily CBS. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're probably right. I, I hope you are right because if you're not, then. They've just diluted what I thought, what I considered to be an absolutely one hundred percent airtight claim, yeah. with this, all this ridiculous rubbish that any decent judge would be like, "Come on, man!" So, yeah. But what do you reckon? I think I think you're right. I think they're just trying to to dump all this on them. Now, have you ever heard of implied or when it comes to copyright, implied consent? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that in the past there's been so many fan-made Star Trek films. And I don't believe that these people are the first people to ever make money off of any of this. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that Axanar could, you know, stand on implied consent. I mean, why are they the first people that that were get the, to get the hammer? I mean, is it just because they made so much money that that Star Trek or you know they feel like it's uh they feel like that they've got such a share of the market that it's actually impacting the Star Trek brand? Yeah, probably. Maybe I mean that has to be what it that has to be what you know what it's all about. If they hadn't have made, so you're telling me if they hadn't have made a dime off of any of this, which by the way, like copyright infringement, uh, you know, and uh, you know intellectual property or uh, all of this doesn't matter whether you make money or not. Technically, if you dress up in a Star Trek uniform and you don't and you don't make any money doing that, you just do that as a fan. That could be considered a copyright violation. Now. Totally. They they need fans. They they would never go after somebody just for doing that because it's against their best interest. But 
in in the fair use in you know in the way these contracts are written, they're written to protect uh, the the rights holder, not the cosplay fan, and they just would never go after these people. And there's an implied consent, yeah. you know, that you can draw Spider-Man without getting you know without getting arrested for it or having to pay you know penalties. There's an implied consent to that, and I think yeah. that I think that they've established an implied consent over you know the the sort of fan made. Uh, Star Trek films, and I just I find it odd that that just because these people made money that they decided to go after them. I mean, there has to be more involved here. I think. Yeah, uh, I think their attitude was also part of it, dude. They're, they're basic, you know, screw you, we're going to keep going. When I mean, they actually posted on their on their things, like we just got to see the deceased letter, and uh, we're going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think that if I were in if I were in CBS's shoes, I would probably definitely would encourage me to pursue it <laughs> yeah that's that's the thing that you i mean touching on something you just said is that that's always something that struck me is like so the big thing is is i mean yeah you're totally right i mean even if you just dress up in costume and appear in public then you've, you've technically infringed on their copyright but um yeah what, one thing that always always struck me as weird is the is commissions so you get these you know these you know big name big so yeah. pencilers you know they and they commit they draw a picture of a spidey or they draw a picture of buffy or whatever the case may be and nobody comes down on them but Nobody they are still make they're making money off this. I mean, they charge you for this stuff. Absolutely, there's people that their whole biz, their whole income is based on that. Yeah, and it 100 percent is copyright infringement. Like it is infringement. Yeah. Um, it's just that industry has kind of an implied consent that they don't pursue that. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. So I don't know, yeah. Axanar, whether you're on you know on their side or not, it's uh it's it's hit the courts. So we'll see the, how it goes. What about the places that sell the uniforms and things? They can't all be. Well, they would get they they get permission, costume places. You have to have you have to have a I, license to cut to sell the. You know. um, I can give you another example of this: the Dragon Con carpet, the Marriott carpet. Yep. So, the Marriott Hotel had this crazy carpet with these you know weird circles in it, and uh, like one guy thought it would be funny to dress up as the Marriott carpet for Dragon Con, and he was like a uh, soldier that blended in with the carpet. He could lay down. And That's you know, awesome. Go to see him. <laughs> well, it became this huge like sensation at Dragon Con. It just became like part of the Dragon Con culture, and like people were making dresses with that pattern on it. People were making like leggings, and there was all sorts of cosplay. I saw uh, like airline stewardesses, and their pattern was the <laughs> um, you know was the Dragon Con carpet. And the company, the company that made the carpet, um, tried to sue the people that were making some of the cosplay, not the cosplayers themselves, um, but they, no they way. Were, they were, like selling the leggings. Yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't have sold more than 50 leggings. Like this is a con <laughs> that happens in one place in the world. You know what I mean? And, and the Marriott, like as a symbol of, of, cause you know, the, cause Dragon Con brings more money to the Marriott and to Atlanta probably than anything all year. They ripped all the carpet up and replaced it with different carpet. Um, but, <laughs> But that's how serious that these, you know, this can be. Yeah. Is just because they were using the same pattern on carpet as, you know, a pair of pants, uh, you know, it's technically copyright infringement. Yeah. And I don't know whatever came of that. I don't know if they ever had to pay out anything. They probably just had to quit selling the pants. Yeah. I, I, that was, I don't think that was malicious. I think it was more along the lines of, oh, here's our chance for some money. Let's, <laughs> yeah. yes, let's use the system to our advantage and get some cash. That's all, that's all that was. 
<laughs> That's crazy, though. That is just insane. It, it became this huge Dragon Con legend. You can buy squares of the carpet on eBay now. Didn't you buy one? No, I haven't bought one yet. I want to find one. They're really expensive. Um, <laughs> because what happened is the when the Marriott got rid of it, they just dumped it in a dumpster, and someone pulled it out of the dumpster and, and cut it in the squares. And uh, then people bought those squares and cut them in the smaller squares, and then people bought those squares, and they're just infinitely getting smaller and smaller. I'm hoping that at DragonCon this year, I might be able to find a square of the old carpet and, and buy it. <laughs> what was Marriott <laughs> thinking, man? Whoever's the manager of Marriott, that's insane. You, should, you just lost yourself a crap load of money. That's, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so in, so in that running on that theme, fan films and stuff, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a fan of fan films. I, um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, I, I think they can. I think they can be very creative, and uh, you know, when done well, there's some terrible ones out there. But you know, oh, when yeah. people when people put in a bit of effort and stuff. I think they rival and sometimes beat the films themselves. So what I wanted. So what I wanted to do was to have uh, us, us list some of our uh, sort of favourite fan films, and uh, <laughs> I haven't really seen one that I liked. You haven't seen any that you like. No? I can't remember seeing any fan films except for that one Star Trek one that you showed me that I Renegades? didn't really like that much. It wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. It was all right. It was passable, but it wasn't that good. It had. It had. Um, Chekhov. Oh, I, forgot, I forgot his name. Tuvok? Yeah, no Chekhov, but I forgot his real name. Pavel. I'm a bad. I'm Pavel a, Chekhov. I'm a bad Star Trek fan. Um, no, his no real problem. name. He's Walter Koning. Yeah, it had Walter Koning in it. <laughs> Come on. Um, I have to hand in my badge. Geez. Hand in my communicator pin. All right, so so some of the like I said, I'm a fan. So um, I mean, obviously, any list wouldn't be complete without uh, Bat in the Sun. Um, I don't like I don't like all their stuff, and to be honest with you, I don't like the people behind it. I actually think they're all a bunch of wankers. Uh, I, I apologize. I, I don't know. It's just my thing. Um, but some of their stuff is uh, of very very high quality, and and uh, they do a lot of you know versus videos. Um, it's just their, their waiting room videos. The ones where they actually try to be funny, I think, are absolute rubbish. But their actual versus videos are very well put together. Um, Wolvie versus Predator, uh, Captain America versus Master Chief. The one of their most recent ones is uh, Darth Maul versus Spidey, which is uh, which was very cool. You know, stuff like that. They're very very high quality. Some of the others, uh, just listen. This is not uh, in order of uh, preferences. Just some of the others I just wanted to mention. Uh, there's a, a dude named Adi Shankar who um, has produced uh, a number of films that have gotten quite a lot of uh, traction, uh, mainly Dirty Laundry, which stars uh, Thomas Jane as the Punisher uh, in The Return, because he actually was in the Punisher movie itself, so that t- caused a bit of controversy. Um, now, I'm actually not a big fan of that that short film, but mainly, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's all well, well and good in production-wise, but I just find it interesting that uh, the Punisher character uh, and we'll get we'll, we'll move on to this later on when we start talking about Daredevil season two. But in this short film, the Punisher allows a rape to happen, um, and it's not until a um, a little a kid is being harassed and beaten up. I mean, he's actually beaten to a pulp before the Punisher decides to actually do something. You know, like he goes across the store and has a conversation with uh, Ron Perlman, which is awesome, um, and then it finally decides to act. And I just I find that. I just I don't think that's true to the character of the Punisher, um, and uh, I just find it kind of kind of wrong. I just you know I mean he, he basically should have stopped the rape from happening, which he clearly knew was about to happen. Um, but anyway, uh, but he's also uh, responsible for Power Slash Rangers, which has got a lot of controversy because it's it's essentially an adult version of the Power Rangers. It's like you know you know swearing. It's a rated R Power Rangers short film, and uh, it is awesome <laughs> and. Uh, 
I don't know. There's a lot of controversy behind it. I highly recommend that you check it out. It was taken off for, for a while, but it now appears to be back. James Vanderbeek. <laughs> it's always good to see see Dawson. Uh, there's uh, talk about Star Star Trek. There's a Star Trek uh, film, like a full length film, like an hour and twenty minutes, called Star Trek Horizon uh, from Project N Resource, uh, which I recommend you check it out. Uh, there's a dude named Toby Toby uh, Bajrovic who uh, does a, a selection of stuff, but did. Uh, Red Hood, The Fallen, uh, which I think is very well put together. And there's a guy named Alex Luther who does this really cool thing. It's not necessarily fan films, I suppose, but they're, so they're essentially fake trailers. And uh, one of them is Marvel vs. DC Ultra Epic Battle, which is a ridiculous title. But it's absolutely brilliantly done. It's essentially just a whole bunch of footage from any Marvel slash DC product you can find. Like, this dude's got footage in there from the failed Wonder Woman pilot in there. You know what I mean? That'll give you an idea of just how much he scoured the Earth for this footage. And essentially has a fight between Marvel and DC, the Avengers and, and the Justice League and stuff like that. And it is, it's magnificent. It's one of my favourite, you know, fan put together things ever. It is unbelievably well done. Uh, yeah, so you check that out. He also does a Star Wars versus Star Trek uh, fake trailer, which is pretty cool as well. So check that as well. It's got that, you know, the scene where um, um, Khan is in the... It's in the you know the new universe. You got uh, Kirk and Spock standing outside the prison. You got Khan inside the prison when yeah. he reveals that he is Khan. That stupid last scene. Well, it said it's Darth Vader. Like they captured Darth Vader. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Anyway, um, and uh, last but definitely not least, this is actually magnificent stuff. And is uh, along with Axanar is what uh, inspired me to talk about this stuff. But you've got Darth Maul Apprentice from the group for, uh, T7 Pro, and it is magnificent. It's it's there's a crap load of Star Wars fan films out there, and Lucas, uh, now Disney, uh, embrace uh, fan films. They've actually got their own fan films award. Like this, this year's fan films award was hosted by J.J. Abrams, and um, they, they they fully embrace this stuff. They're all and as you, so as you can imagine, there is there's got to be at least a million Star Wars fan films out there, and this one is by far the best I've ever seen. It is absolutely magnificent. It basically deals with uh, Darth Maul on his mission before you see him in Phantom Menace. So it's his, his last, his final mission before he becomes a full apprentice of, uh, of Darth uh, Sidious and um, involves him tracking down and killing a bunch of Jedi Knights. And it's, it is, it's unbelievably, it's, it's, it's high. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Have you got any, Bo? Yeah, yeah, I was, I had, there, have you seen the new Spawn film film, Spawn the Recall? Yeah, the Recall, yeah, I watched that this morning. That one's really cool. I, yeah. I saw that uh, like a few weeks ago, right before they announced that they were going to do a, a remake of uh, Spawn. It, that looks really cool. I think it's really well done. I don't think the story is the easiest to follow, and it's not super exciting, but everything looks really cool. Mm. Um, also, I like the Dragon Ball Z, the Fall of Ma- Fall of Men. Yeah, uh, that one's really cool. Yeah, and have you seen Have you seen Pac Man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen Pac Man. Pac Man the movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's some ter- there's some terrible ones out there, but uh, that one's pretty funny. Uh, a really funny one is uh, there's a, a RoboCop scene 27 by Fatal Film. Mm. It's apparently <laughs> uh, scene 27 in RoboCop is the scene where he shoots through that woman's dress and shoots that guy in the dick. Yeah. Well, they remade that scene, but he gets attacked by like like a like a army of people. I mean, it's like. It's like a hundred people, and he shoots every single one of them in the crotch. 
<laughs> I haven't seen it. I gotta check it out. <laughs> like over and over, over and over again. Uh, it's it's by Fatal Farm. I get, I don't know if they do. I don't know if they do regularly regularly make fan films. That's the only one I've ever seen by them. But it's hilarious. Um, and uh, probably not the best production value, but it's not bad. Um, but I really like the Metal Gear Solid Philanthropy. There's a, a fan film called Philanthropy. Yeah. It's in multiple parts. It's pretty good. I have, yeah, and, I have, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've heard it's good. And then a recut trailer recently. I saw uh, someone took the audio from the 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer, and they mixed it with scenes of Desmond um, in the Dharma hatch, and it's called <laughs> 10 Dharma Lane. And... Uh, <laughs> It is a great trailer. It's great. Ten, you just look up Ten Dharma Lane on on uh, YouTube, and it'll come up. <laughs> talking, talking about Dharma, uh, reveal your uh, co- the costume for uh, Dragon Con. Oh my! My Dragon Con costume is a Dharma Initiative jumpsuit, but in the design of the Marriott Hotel carpet. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that means that's it's special for us because uh, I don't I don't know if we actually revealed it on the show yet. We're actually we are actually going to, to be attending Dragon Con for the first time uh, with Bo and his wife this year. So uh, very excited to see that costume. We're just we I'm, I'm only doing it just to see the costume. I have actually have thought of something I, I do like. I do like those um, fake trailers they make where they take the original trailer, say like for The Shining, but they reshoot it. To, uh, or, re- uh, or recut it to make it look like a comedy. Yeah, it's a family yeah. family comedy. Yeah, I, I quite like that. <laughs> that and the sound of music turned into a horror film. Yeah. Oh, no, not no. the sound of music. No, Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah Mary Poppins is a horror film. It's yeah. bloody hilarious. Um, I love the trailer recuts. Another good one is there's one that's the movie Up, yep. but the audio is from the trailer for uh, Inception. So it's, it's all the Inception audio, but they've worked it so that the scenes from Up match the audio. That's a really good one too. Yeah. Oh, well then, uh, so, but no list of fan films can be complete without my very first ever one that I saw. Uh, it's, it's, it introduced me to the world of fan films. Uh, it was um, Batman versus the Joker versus the Aliens versus the Predators. <laughs> so, it's, so it's Batman chasing after the Joker. He corners the Joker in an alley, and the Joker gets taken by an alien, and Batman's like, what the hell? <laughs> and it looks, it looks magnificent. Um, and then uh, a predator shows up, and then the fan film ends. So it's like that's that's great stuff. So yeah, it doesn't go for very long, but it looks magnificent. Um, there's a shot where just one of the shots is uh, Batman lands in a puddle. In a, he's like he's in an alley, but it's in like a puddle, and it's it's from the top, and it's his cape is spread out, and as he he stands up, his cape moves in, so it's like wet latex stuff. It just looks magnificent. But uh, yeah, fan films. Have you got any uh, favourites? Uh, if anything that, that stands out that you think uh, we, you know, that's a shocker that we didn't mention, please let us know in the comments. There's like a billion other ones that we missed out on a heap of them. <laughs> so, as I mentioned earlier, Daredevil season two. This is going to be mid rant. I'm going to have a bit of a little mini rant here, but uh, before, but, uh, but uh, I just I want to talk. Daredevil season two is, uh, has been released on Netflix, and as is their. Uh, their style, they released all the episodes as once, as sort of in one sort of lot. Um, I've only seen the first two so far, because uh, I only just realised it was out yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, I've only seen the first two. Bro, how, bro, how many have you seen? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched any yet. What? You promised me you'd watch the episode one at the very least. Yeah, I know. I meant to, I meant to. I, I ended up watching Chronologically Lost instead and, and forgot about it. <laughs> Tell people about this Chronologically Lost. You were telling me about it yesterday. It's awesome. Oh, it's, it's someone took every single scene from Lost with all the time travel and all the flashbacks 
and they it's not just the episodes in order chronologically it is every scene has been cut and removed from their original episode and then placed in chronological order so it is the length of time is the same amount of time as watching every episode of lost but it is completely in chronological order i'm like 12 episodes in they are just now getting to the point where they're about to all start working their way to getting on the plane that's is crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how long's an episode is it now yeah, it's normal normal time. So you're 12 hours in, and you haven't even got on the plane yet. No, they hadn't even got on the plane yet, yeah. That must have taken so much work. <laughs> but oh, how does man, that work, though? Because you've got time travel stuff where it's set in the past, where they're yeah. aware that they were on the plane. So how do, doesn't it get yeah. confusing? Is it like... It's confusing at first, but once you kind of get the hang of it, it makes, it makes a lot of things make a lot more sense. Um, like things that I didn't understand before, like I totally get watching it in chronological order, but it is confusing because there's a character that dies in like the fifties, but she's originally from, uh, you know, she was originally being born in the, in the fifties. And, um, so like when she dies, I was like, who is this? Who is this person? Like, I don't understand it. And then I saw the scene where she's born and I'm like, Oh, that's who she was. So it's, it's, (laughs) it is really, it is really confusing sometimes, but but it, it, if you like, this shouldn't be your first watching of Lost because it won't make any sense to you. But if you've seen Lost all the way through, and then you go back and you watch this, it helps you understand the events, you know, in their in their particular order. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. it's pretty crazy. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, since Bo hasn't uh, seen <laughs> seen any yet, it will just be me. So um, I've seen the first two episodes. Uh, it's the first episode. Uh, Deals with um, the introduction. It introduces the Punisher, uh, who is um, killing off all these uh, bad guys, but in groups. Uh, he's killing so many in one shot that, uh, well, not one shot, but in one go, that uh, people think that it's an army. It's an army of vigilantes, and apparently, it's it's revealed that a whole bunch of vigilantes have have uh, been showing up, inspired by the devil, and uh, you know the devil of the devil of Hell's Kitchen, not the actual devil. Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> not, not not loose. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So, but he's uh, he's the the deadliest one so far, and he is. He's just absolutely just decimates. It's just blood everywhere. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, that's essentially yeah, the first, the very first meeting between uh, Daredevil and the Punisher. Uh, the 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 reason that I wanted to have like a sort of a mini rant, rant is that they've, they've obviously gone with the Punisher is a psycho element, which is what I mean when uh, when he was first introduced. Uh, well, actually, when he was very first introduced, the Punisher was a pawn of uh, the Jackal, um, and uh, who was you know the guy who the guy who cloned Gwen Stacy and cloned Peter and all that sort of stuff. Um, and but then he also he, he went through a sort of a, a, a period where he was where he's clearly a nutbag and was uh, you know he would he'd shoot basically any criminal. He would only shoot criminals, but you know if even if you were jaywalking or something like that, he would shoot you and, and you know that sort of stuff. Um, but that was very, very quickly uh, gotten rid of, and uh, he became the Punisher that we know now, which is the protect the innocent and punish the guilty. Um, and, but unfortunately, they've, they've in the show they've actually gone with the not not protect the innocent, just punish the guilty. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's no no holding back, punish the guilty under any circumstances, and that's shown in a scene where um, one of the guys who survives one of the shoots out, one of the bad guys survives one of the shoots out by shootouts by hiding under the table. Um, and he's in hospital because he uh, he asks the law firm Murdoch and Nelson and Murdoch. He asks them for protection, um, and he's in hospital with Karen. And the Punisher shows up and then just so starts proceeding to just blow 
<laughs> anything that in his path, you know what I mean? So he doesn't actually, he doesn't, as far as I can tell, I've watched the scene twice now, and he doesn't actually shoot anybody, but he is firing a, a high-caliber weapon in a hospital full of innocent civilians in order to kill this guy, and not only doesn't kill him, <laughs> doesn't doesn't kill anybody else, but doesn't kill him either, and uh, and luckily does also doesn't kill Karen, obviously. Now, um, I find that I find that scene ridiculous. It's I mean I'm very I'm disappointed that they've they've gone the the Punisher is crazy route because his character makes yeah. a lot more sense to be the they killed my family. I'm now going to kill all criminals and protect the innocent sort of stuff. Like Batman. Yeah, and it, yeah, well, yeah, I guess. But but not, not even necessarily protecting the innocent. Um, like I was saying before about how uh, the Punisher should have stopped that rape from happening. That's you know the more sort of more recent version of the Punisher who would actually actively stop crime, not just punish crime. So I would have been okay with them going with the the version of the Punisher where he doesn't necessarily stop crime from happening, but does still punish crime. But in all iterations, other than the very first crazy version, he would never, never open fire in a hospital. It just doesn't make any sense. There's just too many innocent innocent people around. Um, it's just it is nutty, and I'm just I'm disappointed that they've gone that route. So they've obviously gone the crazy Punisher, and I just I just don't think it works. He, he's he has he has a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more sympathy for the character if you go with the I only punish criminals version. But yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, that was only episode one, so I did actually have a tweet. You know, I was like, you know, that's that's not right. Cool. Anyway, Daredevil season two. <laughs> only yeah, two episodes in, so I'll give you a full review when I've actually watched them all, uh, all thirteen episodes. Maybe the character will become more uh, consistent as it moves on. Maybe. All right, let's move on to uh, some reviews. Yeah, mine are going to be really, really quick, so I'll do mine, because I'm very interested to hear Bo's review. Uh, I'm actually going to do uh, two quick ones. Two quickies. Two quickies. (laughs) The look on your face. Um, The first one is Nina Forever, uh, which is a, well, I guess technically it's a horror film, I suppose. (laughs) I don't know. It's about a, uh, a young lady named Holly, who has a crush on this dude at her work in the in the supermarket and uh it, he's he's a he's a dark horse he's uh he, he's tried to commit suicide and he failed and you know he's all dark and and uh her friends all pick on him on her for uh for liking him but uh she likes him mainly because she's considered to be all nice and sweet and and uh and and vanilla as her ex-boyfriend calls her and uh she's she decides that she has a dark side too and so she's going to prove it by dating this guy whose name is Rob. Uh, so she eventually does. She, you know, she uses her, you know, feminine charms and, uh, they, they get together. Uh, something very, the very first time they have sex, something very strange occurs. Rob's ex-girlfriend. Well, actually that's interesting. It's not technically his ex-girlfriend, but I'll explain that in a second. Um, he's, uh, his former girlfriend who is dead, uh, manifests. <laughs> so essentially comes up out of the, uh, out of the mattress and she's covered in blood and she's basically she's she's all mangled and uh, she's quite clearly dead uh but she's able to talk to them and um proceeds to basically just give holy shit <laughs> it's like what are you doing with my man and you know and and that sort of stuff and and uh it's fascinating the, the reactions when this occurs uh rob just basically just goes almost goes catatonic and uh holly is is sort of both fascinated and repulsed and scared and basically, all those emotions at once. I think the the the, the young lady that plays Holly, Abigail Harding, Harding Hardingham, 
um, is is a revelation. She's she's absolutely magnificent, and uh, and that and that's proven, you know, throughout the film as we go on to, through her journey. She's just she's just just amazing. Um, I don't think uh, Rob does all that very good of a job. Uh, Cian Barry uh, and the girl that plays Nina, uh, Fiona Ashaunsi. I can't pronounce his name. I'm hopeless. Um, she does an excellent job as well, and and you got to got a feel for it because she she manifests basically every time they get intimate, she manifests, and so and she's always just, she's mutilated <laughs> like she um, and uh, and so you've got to you got to feel for this this actress because basically she's just covered in all this crap like all the time. So, uh, I'm confused as to why you're not sure this is a horror film. Well, it's not scary when she manifests. Like she, she's like she is like she she appears and then proceeds to give them shit, right? And she's and she's all sarcastic and sassy and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I guess technically it is a horror film, but it's it's also uh, it kind of ro- sounds comical. Is it is it funny at all? Yeah, it's like a comedy horror romance. Um, well, that's what IMDb calls it a comedy horror ma- romance. Is so it funny at all? Of, I didn't like, I didn't think it was particularly funny, um, but. It clearly is designed to be like funny. the Shaun of the Dead sort of vein. Well, it's not. I mean, not even that way. It doesn't go for slapstick. Um, yeah, it's but more it's funny, not that funny. It's more sarcastic funny. Um, anyway, so basically, through through her manifestations, it's revealed that the reason um, Rob tried to commit suicide is because he was in a car accident while with Nina. So Nina and he were in a car accident, and Nina died, and he didn't, and so he has survivor guilt. He then spends a lot of time with Nina's family, mother and father in what he thinks is helping them get over the loss. But in an excellent scene towards the end of the film, it's revealed that it's actually the reverse. They actually, they hate the fact that he keeps coming over. Um, it's a magnificent scene. I, I won't reveal what exactly what happens in that scene. I want you to check it out. It's, it's, it's great stuff. If anything, if anything, that's actually the scariest film scene in the film. And there's no you know, horror special effects, but just the, the venom out of Nina's father is, is amazing to watch. But yeah, so it's as, as the film progresses, I Menina keeps keeps showing up, and Harley refuses to give up. She's like, you know what? Screw this! I'm not going to be beaten by a dead woman. And so uh, she tries to have a relationship with Rob, and you know it's, it's okay for a while there. But then there's a really weird twist about three quarters of the way through that I don't want to reveal, which then it sort of leads to the end, and it's 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 fascinating. It's up until that point. It, the very first time Nina manifests, I was like, you know what, this is pretty cool. And uh, but then it sort of starts to drag. I mean, the whole they you know, they're in a relationship and they're trying their best to sort of, to sort of, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out why Nina keeps manifesting and how to stop it from happening and have a have a normal everyday relationship, where it actually kind of drags for a bit. And Rob is just a is just a, such a passive character that it's just like, dude, do something. You know what I mean? It's like it's, I just don't understand why Holly's interested in you. And then there's this, you know, this twist around the time of the the restaurant scene that just throws it in another direction that uh, I quite liked. I actually really, really liked the end. Yeah, so that's Nina Forever. It's uh, check it out. The other review is Four Hundred Days. Hopefully, it's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. I've seen it. I can. I, I thank the Lord that it's not Four Hundred Days. <laughs> it's not really that long because it is. It's not worth it, I can tell you. Yeah, 400 Days I checked out because uh, it got a bit of buzz. It's a uh, it's a science fiction film. Had a bit of buzz and, uh, you know, and I wanted to check it out. There's, it, there seemed to be, uh, the, what I was hearing from is like people either loved it or hated it. There's like, there's no middle ground with this film. It's it's Prometheus all over again, people. <laughs> it's, you know, it's either you think it's brilliance um, or you think it's an absolute piece of shit. 
Except for uh, Prometheus was both. It was brilliantly made, but it was a bad film. Yep, I'm with you there. And uh, it unfortunately, 400 Days falls into the piece of shit category. <laughs> it's, it tries so hard to be smart that it reveals so easily just how dumb it is. <laughs> All right? It just, it really, it should have basically, it shouldn't have tried to try, should it, to try so hard. It would have been better. It is a sci-fi film. Um, and I don't say that as a negative. I mean, I've, you know, it's... Siffy. It's a Siffy film. Oh, God. I can't take that seriously. Uh, it stars um, Brandon Ruth, uh, Dane Cook... This is Superman. Yeah, Brandon Ruth as in Superman. Yep. Uh, Dane Cook, Katie Lotz, uh, Ben Feldman, um, and uh, supporting by Tom Cavanagh. Good old Tom. I, I, don't, I don't see how you can take Dane Cook seriously in a sci-fi film. <laughs> well, who, where is he from? Keep talking. I might be thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, Grant Bowler. Um, and, of course, a whole bunch of other people. But uh, Yeah, Dane Cook. Dane Cook is like the terrible comedian that's like really loud and obnoxious all the time. Yeah, I just looked it up. He's in 400 Days. Oh, okay, cool. All right, sweet. All right, well, you're right. He's shit. Um, <laughs> he, he, he can't act. Um, in fact, none of them do a very a very convincing job. I guess, I guess Tom Cavanaugh is probably the closest that comes uh, to a decent acting performance, but everybody else is just terrible. Not even Superman. And look, you know, the thing is with Brandon Routh, I actually quite like Brandon Routh, right? I, I think he's... He's got a charm that I quite like. He's got a quite like. to yeah. him that I like. And it's not his fault that Superman Returns was shit. No, he did a good job. He does a first really fine job. It's, it's, it's yeah. basically everything the rest of the story that's so fucking terrible. I but I, can't, I, can't, I find it hard to keep I can find it hard to keep defending him when every single thing else, everything else that he's in, he's terrible. He's got to pay the bills. <laughs> so, but it, it's, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm thinking Superman Returns was a fluke. The it? man's got bills to pay. <laughs> You know, I mean, he's in. He's uh, got to take what he's offered. He'll he, be, he doesn't have to take what he's offered. Come on. If he wants to, he wants to feed his family, he does. <laughs> Stop defending. Are you defending. like his. What's going on? You like his president of his fan club or something? I don't know. Just being a Brandon advocate. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. Enough. <laughs> he's a very handsome man. I can see that. Um, anyway, so so basically, what it is, the basic plot is that uh, man. Um, and actually, what, what actually is a pretty interesting intro. The, the the space program has progressed to the point where we want to send people to Mars. But before we do that, we have to see that people can survive the trip. So as an experiment, they're going to put these four astronauts um, under, in a, an underground bunker and not allow them out for 400 days, which is the length of time it's going to take to get to Mars, um, and, and you know see how, the, how it works. So yeah, so uh, they're in... Uh, so, so this is four people, and, in, and the, twist, the, the little twist is that... Uh, uh, yeah, well, interestingly enough, nobody likes Dane Cook's character because he's an arsehole. Um, the, uh, ben Feldman's character, Bug, is uh, missing his, his son. He's left his young son behind. Um, and uh, Theo and Emily, who are Brandon Routh and Katie Lotz, were in a relationship and were forced. Uh, it's revealed that uh, Emily was told to break up the relationship uh, in order to evaluate the psychological impact on Theo, who is the mission control, the actual captain of the ship, and uh, it's ridiculous. It's right at the very beginning, it's like, what is going on here? Like the guy, the the the, the press conference at the start before they go underground. Theo's hungover. He's just gone off on a, on like a four day bender, and he was thrown in jail. And and it's like the next day, he's now got to do on four hundred day social experiment. You know, space travel. It just it just it's ridiculous. But uh, anyway. They uh, they're in this thing, and then before the four hundred days is up, um, somebody 
like a, a person breaks into the facility and the, this person looks like shit. Like their skin's all white. They look kind of, you know, mutilated and yeah, like they're obviously insane. Uh, breaks into the facility and um, they try to help him, uh, but he eventually disappears and they can only assume he's gone back up, you know, back up to the surface. And so despite uh, and, you know, breaking protocol, they decide to go up to the surface as well to find out what the hell's going on. Because the big thing is they don't know whether it's part of the simulation. There's been, mo- there's been simulations up until this point that have you know, you know, done sort of stuff like you know, malfunctions in the ship and stuff like that. So, um, and added to the fact that they're getting injections every day. Uh, Emily is giving them injections every day and she says they're vitamins. But are they? Are they in the Essendon Football Club? <laughs> Sorry, that was a very local joke. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, jeez. Uh, Victoria listeners will obviously understand that joke. Um, so the yeah. So anyway, so they they go up. Um, despite Dane Cook's character's uh, protestations, uh, they uh, they go up and uh, the world's the world's fucked. <laughs> so before when they went down, there was a fire. They were in like a cleared out uh, area, but there was a forest around them, and there was a town, you know, a little bit off and. And stuff like that, and so it wasn't, you know, it was. It looked like a normal, everyday sort of, you know, foresty sort of South American area. But when they get up, it's completely dark, even though it should be daylight. Uh, there's this dust everywhere, um, and there's high wind, and basically just the world looks like shit. So it's turned into a post-apocalypse film. Well, that's the thing. That's 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 the idea that they're supposed to give. They're basically they're basically implying that during this this three hundred and you know eighty nine days or whatever that they've been under there, that the world's killed itself. <laughs> it's like, although you know, the human race is you know fucked up somehow and, and like zombies. wiped us out. And uh, no, they're not. So they're not. No, they're not zombies. They're uh, the only the only surviving life on the planet are humans. So they actually they walk for you know one to two hours. And they they come to this town called Tranquility, and um, they meet up with these uh, other humans that all look like shit, and uh, <laughs> a group of normal sort of normal, generally normal sort of humans, but they're all a bit crazy. Tom Cavanaugh is one of them, and it's, it's revealed that they're they're actually cannibals. Oh, so not so, zombies, but no. eating people. Yeah, yeah. So they're eating, they're eating people, and uh, and then the the the, the heroes, the the group, the, the protagonists. Uh, two of them, uh, two of them go. Dane Cook and uh, Ben Feldman's characters, uh, Bug and whatever, they disappear, and then uh, the other two, you know, make it back to their shelter, and they get followed by some of the townspeople, and they eventually manage to. I'm, I'm revealing it all because I, I can only guess you don't want to see this shit. Yeah. Um, so they, they they make it back and they get followed by some of the... They they, re, they rem, realise that they were only allowed to escape in order to locate their base and then uh, they have to you know, fight for survival. And then it ends on this... And remember, that it was da- it's it's per, it's perpetual night outside, yeah. right? Oh, the, the, it's revealed that uh, the reason the world's dead is because an asteroid hit the moon and broke off part of the moon, which is wiped out. Uh, which then covered the entire planet in dust, uh, moon dust, which has blacked out the sun and has created nuclear winter okay. without the nuclear radiation. Um, mm. So that's basically what it is. And I can only assume affected the the atmosphere, well, the, still at, be the polarizing and stuff. Night dwelling animals that would still. Well, you can only assume, but we're only in a, a two-hour radius around the base at this point. We haven't yeah, travelled okay. any further than that. So, but, you know, I mean, there wouldn't be things other than people to eat, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We, we, have, we don't have to assume that, but it doesn't go into that much depth. Yeah. I, I, like I said at the start, it's not smart enough to say that sort of stuff. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so it, it reveals the very final shot is the hatch is open from the outside. It's only able to be open from the outside. The hatch is open from the outside, and light shines through. Oh. 
Now, there's I've read I've read a bunch of you know comments on, on the film and stuff like that, and people trying to basically trying to make sense of it because the film makes no fucking sense, right? It makes so many mistakes. It basically sets up all these rules and breaks them all. Um, the hatch opens, by the way, because they reach the 400 days, and there's a lot of recorded message comes up saying, you know, well done, 400 days. Basically, basically, the, what people have been trying to say is, is the entire thing a hallucination? It's basically, is it all happening in Theo's mind? Um, or is everything that happens a simulation? Despite the fact that they kill people, you know, it's the higher thing a simulation, or is it actually what it's just shown on screen? Is it, they've, you know, they actually, the world is destroyed, and that the light is actually someone shining the torch or something. So there's a whole bunch of explanations, but really what all it basically all boils down to is the film is so dumb that it basically can't answer any of these things itself. It basically forces you to try and work so- make some sense out of it when there is actually is no sense. Has it revealed what the injections were? No. Okay. Yeah, they're either hallucinogens or, or vitamins. Uh, vitamins or it, it, you know, it's, it's just... And, it's, and, it's, and that's the thing with these sort of films is I don't mind a film that makes you think. Yeah, like 12 Monkeys. Oh, 12 Monkeys, 2001. But it still should have all the information there for you to stuff. put together. That's right. There should be enough information in the film for you to at least make a, a, a logical guess, you know what I mean? Or, you know, have a, have a conversation, have different points of view. I mean, the end of 2001, I've had people talking for, you know, 30 years. And that's, and that's all well and good. I'm totally fine with that because at least the rest of the film makes coherent sense. Giant's Whereas this, baby. this film makes so many mistakes... It's so many plotholes of its own story mm. that it, it's obvious that the writers thought, hey, let's throw a whole bunch of weird shit <laughs> at the screen and we'll just see what happens. Well, and maybe not. Is it the writers or is it the editors that have... It's both. The writers and the editors. They both suck. Should never make another film ever again. That's it for my reviews. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> this, that was made by the Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't always see had for- the most trust in, in their movies. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, that's enough for me ranting. It's uh, boasted. I kind of want to see it though. <laughs> I kind of want to see it to see if it if it if there's clues that you're missing or if it really is just that bad. There's no. I've never missed any clues, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> no, no, but that's and that's too, yeah. that, that's the genius <laughs> of this film is that it's so stupidly shit that people yeah. think you know what. I want to watch it because <laughs> I want to see <laughs> if it I can really be that bad. Yeah, yeah. is it really that bad? Is, can it I, really, is it really that bad, or am I just stupid? can I figure it out? I don't know. Maybe he's wrong. <laughs> and so that's the thing, right? So it's people like me. I'm perpetuating the stupid. It's like it's yeah. like I review it, and so now people are like like your like your good self, and they're like, hmm, maybe I'll check it out. You know, and so they've, they've, now they've got another audience. So I might I might know. look into it. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you, watch Nina Forever first and actually see some quality film. Uh, but I can tell you, uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane is definitely quality film. <laughs> so that's your review, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yep. That's not ten. It. Not ten. Dharma that's Lane. End of my review. I'm done. <laughs> it's like it is one of those movies that's impossible to talk about without revealing anything, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to reveal anything. Um, but I can tell you about the movie. Hit me. Um, in my opinion, this feels like J.J. Abrams' um, Cabin in the Woods. Um, it is like a small set movie that is designed to evolve you know, as you watch it. Cabin right. in the Woods is campy and comical. This movie is not campy and comical in any way. But right. it, is in the, in, it is evolving. Like it's just, that's the only way I can describe it. it. 
when you watch the trailer for Ten Cloverfield Lane, all, all the stuff that happens in the trailer and the kind of the feeling that the trailer gives you and you kind of have an idea of what this movie is about, all of that is kind of the first part of the movie and then things change. And, uh, you know, you, you, you watch this movie change about three or four times. Um, and now, most of it still takes place in the same set with the same three people, but it is... It is just a constant, you know, shifting of what your idea of what's going on is, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really great movie. I really can't recommend it enough. I think I think both of you guys would would love it and, and need to see it as soon as possible. Um, it is within the Cloverfield universe. You don't need to see the Cloverfield movie, and um, you just kind of need to know generally what happened uh, in the movie, um, but you don't necessarily need to know you know every detail because the story. The characters and the story and everything that takes place in Cloverfield has nothing to do with this this movie, and I don't want to tell you whether it's before, after, or during Cloverfield because that's part of the suspense of of the movie because uh, the character doesn't really know going in. Um, you just the movie starts with uh, the main character, you know, waking up in this situation, and then it's being explained to her what happened. And as the movie goes on, you know, you find out more and more about that. But it's uh, very suspenseful. It is very uh, anxiety driven. Like you feel, you feel the anxiety with the character as you're watching this, and and um, you you know from the start of the the movie, you won't feel the same way about any of the three characters on screen that you feel, uh, you know, towards the end. And, and it's a, it is a really, it is a really you know just amazing project. It, it I haven't left. It, it's I left the theater like with an amazement. Like I really was just like, you know, stunned by what I just witnessed. It's a, it's a really great movie. <laughs> cool. It actually started started out life as a, a film script called The Cellar, which uh, Abrams oh, really? uh, Abrams purchased and then incorporated into the Cloverfield universe. Ah. Yeah. So it actually it actually had nothing to do with Cloverfield at all to begin with. It was. Uh, I can I can see that because there's kind of a bottle story within this story that is. Completely separate from the Cloverfield universe, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it, was, uh, it was originally written by Josh Campbell and Matthew Struken, who wrote The Cellar, um, and then adapted uh, for to so basically put it into the Cloverfield universe. It reminds me of movies like... Uh, it's completely different than this movie, but just the feeling reminds me. The, uh, the movie, uh, what is it, World's Greatest Dad? Is that the movie uh, where the kid commits suicide in the movie? Oh, yeah, and the guy yeah, writes, he's yeah. a failed writer or something, and he starts writing some stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that movie, when you first start watching it, it looks like a family comedy, and then um, that event happens, and the movie just takes a complete left turn, and it's a completely different movie. Um, that's the way Ten Cloverfield Lane is, where it starts out as one movie, and then it kind of changes into another movie, and then it kind of changes into another movie again. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really dug it a lot. Now, I have a particular taste. I like small set movies. I like mm. I like you know. The more you can do with less, like I, I appreciate that a lot, and and um, uh, not a, not everybody is into that, but uh, I think that if you were a fan of, of Cloverfield, I, I think this this movie will will still do justice. It's really good. Cool. We haven't, you know, we haven't, we haven't been rating the films recently. Oh yeah, well it's hard it's hard to rate it's hard to have a definitive one to five rating because like yeah. you know like a five comedy. It's not the same as like a five drama. Yeah, you know what you know, I mean? I'm actually I'm overrating. You're overrated just, rating. Yeah, it's overrated 
rating. Rating overrating is overrated. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Because it's all arbitrary, really. If you give it a number, it's like oh, I give four hundred days yeah. one Luke, and I give Nina forever three Lukes. You know what I mean? It's like well, what doesn't mean anything. Who gives a shit? So it's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, in my uh, current YouTube obsession, where I've just been watching hundreds of YouTube videos, um, I've come yeah. across this guy who does um, game reviews, and I apologize, I just for the life of me can't remember his name, but he's very very good and. He um, he has a rating system called uh, b- uh, buy on release, wait for sale, uh, bargain bin, or don't buy. And that makes a lot more sense to me. You know, he doesn't bother. But he doesn't give you some bullshit arbitrary number. He basically just says, "It's like uh, yeah. so I'll give you an idea." The division, for example, Tom Clancy's division. He said. Well, it depends, you know. If you if you don't mind this, this, and this, then buy right now. If you don't, if you if this sort of thing annoys you, then wait for sale. You know what I mean? It's in, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. So, so in in, in that in that vein, I'll still uh, the idea right from that dude. Um, uh, Nina Forever, uh, rental, and four hundred days, throw it in the bin. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I would say if you're into. If you're into sci-fi and small uh, set movies like Moon and things like that, yeah, uh, then you rush out and see this immediately before it leaves theaters. You're going to be glad you saw it in theaters. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not into sci-fi, maybe watch it when it comes out on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. See, good. Yeah, it works. That works a lot better, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's way more tangible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How, many, how many years has it taken us to come up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to some Azerothian times. Now, um, regular listeners, uh, if this is your first episode, uh, Azerothian times is where we uh, talk about uh, you know Warcraft and you know gaming and stuff like that because Bo and I are both Warcraft players. Uh, but our regular listeners will know that uh, we haven't mentioned Azerothian times for quite a while now, and that's because yeah. we're essentially in a holding pattern, <laughs> waiting for Legion to come out, which is not till uh, September. Uh, late September, and essentially it's because, uh, in my opinion, I'm going to go right out there, I think Draenor has failed, uh, because this is the very first time in my 10 plus years of playing this game where I'm now bored. I'm bored out of my head. and uh, yeah. yeah, and I just, I find that interesting. It, it, it can only be because Draenor has failed. It's just, there's not enough content that I find interesting to to do. And even even if I was an endgame raider player, um, there still wouldn't be enough content. I mean, Bo, you oh, you, no. you are an end raider, and you're you've 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 done. You're finished. We were done months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 really bad. Yeah, yeah. So all the raids came. If they had all the tiers of raiding came out too close together, they should have spread it out instead of cramming it all at the beginning of the expansion. Yeah. Uh, but the only reason I wanted to bring up Azeroth and Dines is because um, I just it's it's funny. This is to give you an idea of how just how uninteresting Warcraft I am is this. Um, I had uh, a day off recently, and uh, I was basically just watching YouTube videos, <laughs> and uh, I'm obsessed. And I was actually getting a bit bored, and I was like, you know what, I'm bored. I can't really think of something to do. And so I started looking at work emails, even though it was my day off. <laughs> I started looking at work emails right? instead of putting on Warcraft. It didn't even occur to me to put Warcraft on. That'll give you an idea of how just how uninterested in the game we are. I was more interested in doing work emails. Um, it didn't even pop into my head, um, but anyway. So, but uh, yesterday um, it did pop into my head, and 
it's uh, interesting because um, they've they've got uh, events every weekend now, and uh, those, some one of those events are the time walking events. We've we've talked about them many 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 times before, um, and they've uh, it's they're not always the same. It's like you've got the Northrend events and the uh, Burning Crusade events and and whatever the other one is. I can't remember. Um, and so Northrend only comes up every six weekends or something like that. Um, so I've been waiting. So I, uh, it, one of the one of the things of doing these events is that you can uh, get uh, time walking tokens, and you can use the tokens to buy crap. And one of those, the only thing of any interest to me is uh, a mount um, called the Ironbound Wraith Ironbound Wraith Charger, which is essentially a flying horse that glows. And uh, so I've been saving up tokens to get uh, the five thousand tokens to get this mount, and I got them ages ago, like ages. Um, so essentially, I was just waiting for Northrend time walking event to re come up and. Uh, and uh, what I just I just jumped on just at random uh, yesterday and uh, and sure enough it was the Northrend time walking event so I'm like woohoo so uh, so I go into the the queue for uh, just out of pure habit I jumped into a into the queue for a uh, dungeon and then flew to Dalaran where this vendor is so I could buy this um, mount and on my way there uh, the dungeon popped and so I go to do this dungeon now. The other thing about this uh, time walking event is that you get gear. You can get uh, pretty decent gear for your for your characters, um, and you can also get a mount called the Infinite Time Reaver, and the, it only drops during the time walking events, and it's the the drop rate is horrendously low as all these things are. Um, and I, I basically paid it no mind. I was like, you know, whatever. And uh, but the irony <laughs> is that in this run that I didn't even really need to do anyway because I already had all the emblems, that mount dropped and I won it. So I now have the infinite time reaver, which looks awesome. And then I, after the dungeon event, I landed in Dalaran and went and bought this other mount. So I played, uh, and then I logged off. So basically, I played Warcraft so for maybe an hour and got two mounts out of it. So that was pretty sweet. But now I'm done. Now I'm basically waiting until Legion. Yeah, I haven't even been playing. I'm thinking about. I'm actually thinking about starting an alliance character, um, just because I've never really done it. And uh, but you I'm so hate- bored. That's blasphemy, dude. You hate the alliance. <laughs> I'm just so bored, man. So bored. <laughs> well, do it. Do it on um, Oldham. In a uh, kind of comical wow note, there's a the company I work for. We have like a uh, we have like a slogan motto thing, and it's um, it's Latin. It's cura et celeritas, which is like accuracy and, and swiftness or something something like that. Yep. And um, I at the bottom of our email signature, uh, it. Everybody's email signature says Kura et Celeritis, just below your name. Mm. I changed mine to say Luktar Ogar. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I doubt anybody will ever notice. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, that's it for Azeroth in Times. Very short, because, you know, we don't care anymore. We'll, we'll get back to Azeroth in Times when Legion comes out. I've been playing Final Fantasy, and um, it is a... Sorry, excuse for World of Warcraft, but like it's they got content coming out, so that's all. Wow, I do is start coming out with new stuff, and, and I'll play it. But yeah, waiting. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd rather be playing Star Trek online, but Star Trek, it, it, for some reason, it's it needs it needs kick-ass internet, and we don't have kick-ass internet. Our internet is terrible. You gotta have American internet. <laughs> do I? I got a third world internet, as we discussed. Uh, Bo and I actually played some Dice Masters over over the internet uh, yesterday. It was a lot of fun. And uh, over Skype. Dice Masters over Skype. And it works surprisingly well. I think we should start streaming it. <laughs> you reckon we should? Yeah, I think people would watch. <laughs> <laughs> Watching me win three t- three games in a row? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I'm a, I'm a, a small petty man. I had to do it. Uh, let's finish up with coming soon. In Australian cinemas, March 24th, we get a bigger splash. I know nothing about it, so moving on quick. <laughs> Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Not the movie nobody cares about. <laughs> but, you know, we have to see it. As nerds. We do. Well, we're nerds. We have to see it. And we're reviewing it. Next episode. Breaking the rules. <laughs> what was that, bro? I said everybody's going to see it begrudgingly. Yeah, exactly. Because let's face it, Man of Steel is not very good. Uh, Eye in the Sky, which has gotten a lot of plaudits, but I don't really understand why. It's basically Talon Mirren and uh, talking about the effects of drones, you know, drone pilots and the effects that they have. You know what? I don't care. Just do your job. <laughs> How hard is it? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Kung Fu Panda 3. I've got two written here, but it's clearly three that's coming out. Two's been out for ages. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 3. We're really behind otherwise. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. And uh, last and definitely least, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. <laughs> the sequel that we had to have. The sequel for the people who, you know, people who had, had no careers and now need to make another movie. And, uh, yeah, didn't like the first one. Garrett, I'm not even going to see the second one. Bo? Uh, we just have two. We have My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 and uh, Batman vs. Superman. That's all? Yep. Not that. even Kung Fu Panda. Big weekend. It's a big weekend. Yeah. So, which, so uh, is it going to be hard for you to choose which one to see this weekend? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be torn. <laughs> just standing in front of the ticket lady, like, you know, looking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Are you actually going to see Batman vs. Superman? Yeah, I'm gonna see it. I, I'm really not. I, I'm not into it. I don't. I don't. I'm not rushing out to see it. I won't see it this weekend, probably. Right. Fair enough. Something's gone wrong with a lot of superheroes. They're battling each other. Yeah. Yeah. Just, really. Uh, Superman. Sh- sh- Superman shouldn't kill. It's as simple as that. That's you know. That basically, it sums up Man of Steel in a nutshell. But anyway, that's that's enough of that guff. <laughs> we'll be reviewing uh, Batman vs. Superman on, uh, I believe, our next episode. Yes, our next episode. So we'll see. We'll hear it. Let's hear. Let's, let's hear what uh, Richard. We're dragging Richard and Luke <laughs> to the movies to see the movie because they actually proclaimed that they weren't going to go see it, but I'm forcing them to. So we'll see what happens. I don't think they're going to be very pleased. I might. I might not go see it. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm. I really am not expecting it to be that great. <laughs> go see it. Alright, that's, uh, that's the end of episode 187. I hope you like the uh, the sort of the discussion way of doing things. I do. Yeah, there you go, Crystal does. So therefore, it doesn't matter what you think. Crystal <laughs> likes it. <laughs> and I'm always right. She's the boss. <laughs> Crystal is the boss. That's it for me and the crew. Crystal. Perpetuating the stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, Bo. Uh, no matter what order you watch it in, they weren't dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.